1: What's going on? Welcome to episode number 942 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, May the 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors on Twitter as well. You can also find the podcast on all of your favorite podcast providers, including Spotify, Odyssey, Google Play, wherever you get your shows, Apple Podcasts as well for some people. Some people right now not as they continue to sort their crap out. Um, I recommend trying out Odyssey if you have not uh, been able to get the podcast on Apple recently and uh, that's it's a great app. It's new. it's it's lovely. The Locked Lockdown Raptors podcast is there and it's free. So go try Odyssey if I if Apple is giving you the same problems it's giving basically everybody else right now. Okay. On today's show, which is brought to you by our friends over at BuiltBar.com, go to the site BuiltBar.com and use the promo code lock 15 to get 15% off your next order. Um, joining me on today's show to talk about the Raptors' 131-129 loss to the Washington Wizards that all but sends the Raptors almost guaranteed to uh, sub-play-in territory in the Eastern Conference standings. That was a weird way to say their playoff hopes are doomed. I, bad <laughs> sentences. But anyway, joining me, someone who's better at sentences, someone who finally helps us get the uh, second half of the North Courts crew on the podcast, or at least a, another third of the North Courts crew. We get too oh, yeah. much Vivek Jacob on this damn podcast. It's uh, Javon <laughs> Shepard,
2: former national teamer, CBC, Ottawa Blackjacks of the C E B L GM. Javon, what's going on, man? I'm good, man. I'm just coming off a high from this game, trying to figure out what really just happened. But (laughs) no, I'm just looking forward to chopping it up with you and breaking down what, what we just saw.
1: Yeah, as Eric Kareem, friend of the show, pointed out before the game, uh, it's a Raptors Wizards game, so some weird shit's gonna happen. And boy, was he right! <laughs> Easy call, basically. That's like betting on uh, LeBron James to make the playoffs. It's gonna happen, uh, <laughs> but you know, we you never know how the weirdness is gonna play out in this one. It went to overtime. There was some weird, uh, you know, crunch time mishaps from the Raptors I would say in the regulation where they probably should have won it and held on but did not Uh, you get to OT the Wizards don't really seem to know what they're doing in terms of do they foul do they not they don't foul Fred VanVleet before he hits a buzzer beater to go into overtime Uh, you've got the like five missed threes off of five offensive rebounds for the Raptors as well there's a lot of places we could go to start here Javon but what was your biggest takeaway from this uh, truly insane Raptors loss to the Wizards on Thursday
2: night uh, you know i i think like you said this is very symbolic of you know what this this game or the end of this game was very symbolic of what this year has been just erratic and unconventional to say the least but um you know I think pascal is obviously going to take some heat but i i really like how he came he's cu- he continues to come into his own uh mm-hmm. down the stretch of this season and just play so much more aggressive right um tonight what is it 40 40? 344 points whatever it is there um mm-hmm. 44 i like it. You know, 44 points I, I think you know he still has a lot of room to grow but if i'm if i'm a betting man um and going into you know going into his offseason how he's finishing up the year i think there's a lot to be excited about and then then you have the pieces like jerry Trent jr man and then obviously freddie v uh you know the yeah. fact that he hits that shot to send this this thing into overtime You know, stone cold veins. I I like it. I like I like his aggression. I just like having, you know, just a guy like that. And I I tweeted it out, you can't say enough about his compete level and his heart. It's almost Mm -hmm. like when that ball left his hands, you knew it, you knew it was going in. He just had that that confidence. Even the fact that he double clutched it between two players. Yeah, it, it was
1: an awesome shot, one of the better moments of the season for sure, just in terms of like individual plays, and look, it's mm-hmm. not been exactly a, a murderer's row of great moments to choose from, but that's certainly out there. Um, and I'm also glad you brought up Pascal, because mm-hmm. I mean he's going to be the story of this game, both for the 44 points, 11 boards, 7 assists on 17 of 28 shooting. He was really mm-hmm. freaking good in this game, um, but there were the couple mistakes in crunch time, missed a couple free throws, he got called for a charge uh, when he was trying to find Fred in the corner, and what? Westbrook, you know, slid right in front of him. Um, you know, those things happen. It's been a bad season for Pascal Siakam in Crunch Time. There have been some bad decisions made, you know, charges that he's kind of walked into and, and sort of begged to be called, uh, you know, mistakes late in games. The missed shots, obviously, the, the ones that have kind of popped out have been sort of the highlights of the, I guess, that's being put together now, like the Pascal Siakam Crunch Time mixtape from this season, which is a little bit right. sad. But, you know, I, I've said this all season long and I'll continue to harp on it. Like, and this applies not just to Pascal, but to a lot of the guys this season and the entire team where they're just, they're out of character. They're not playing like the Toronto Raptors do typically. And yes, there's like a a loss of talent in terms of, you know, Gasol and, and surge and all that, but that doesn't account for a lot of it. And to me, the Siakam crunch time stuff really does feel like something you can chalk up to weird, stupid, fake season, Tampa season weirdness, because Look, the entire track record of Pascal before this was, oh, he's uh, scoring 32 in Game 1 of the Finals. He's closing things out in Game 6 of the Finals with 26 and one of the biggest shots in Raptors history over Draymond Green. You get last year where the Raptors were the number two crunch time team in the NBA, were unstoppable in crunch time, and it was all because of the Kyle Lowry-Pascal Siakam pick and roll, whether it was Pascal screening or Pascal ball handling. He was the, f- like the foundation piece of one of the best crunch time offenses in the NBA. And... I feel like the crunch time mistakes here are like the one little sort of flicker that you kind of see that kind of remind you of the bubble. And it feels like the people who just won't let the bubble go continue to kind of harp on those little mistakes and kind of, as our friend Blake Murphy pointed out tonight, missed the forest for the trees where, yeah, okay, he had a couple of mishaps in the fourth quarter. They're also not in this game if Pascal doesn't score 44 points. You know, he was you know, taking it to Davis Bertans all night long, like the number one option you want him to be. Also, what the hell were the Wizards doing sticking Davis Bertans on Siakam in single coverage? Again, doesn't make any sense, but sure. You know, do you kind of see where I'm coming from there, Javon? Like, obviously, he needs to work on things, and there, it's by no means a perfect finished product, but Absolutely. the track record suggests he's much better in crunch time than what he's been.
2: Absolutely. I I think, you know, and I I look at it from two sides. I think, for one, Raptors fans have been spoiled with, you know, the type of players that they've had from the perimeter in the past. You're looking at the DeMars, you're looking at the Kawhis, you're looking at the Vinces, and they're expecting this from, from Pascal, given he has this, you know, ginormous contract. But what people aren't realizing is that Pascal, despite the success he's had over the last couple of years, he still only averaged averages 14 points for his career. The last two years, he's averaged, you know, he's just gotten over the 20 point mark. So he's starting to understand his game. He's starting to be impactful. Um, and really there's there's still a lot of growth for him to go. Now, with that being said, I think Pascal has to, you know, take heed to some of the things that have happened this season if he wants to continue to be that player, if he wants to be that star player. And He's gonna have to be able to close basketball games. There's only so long that it's gonna be an excuse because the mm-hmm. ball is being put in your hands. Your team, the fans, your your coaches are trusting in you. I, I just don't think he has a closing move. Um, you know, there's times where people chuckle and say, you know, he'll go get to a spin. I think also just getting to your spin, you know, spinning twice is because you're you're not as comfortable handling the ball or you don't really know mm-hmm. um, you know, what move you're getting into to get into a scoring position, so to say. We, you know, when you think of the KDs, when you think of the Michael George, you think of the Kobe's. when they got the ball in that moment, you knew what they were going to, you knew what was going to happen, and you just couldn't stop it. They got to their point, they elevated it, and they made shots. Pascal has that same ability because he has the same length, he has the same athleticism, he has the same um, peak uh, on the shot where, you know, defenders aren't going to be able to get to. Now, getting to that point is what Pascal really needs to work on um, mm-hmm. at this point in his career just to become a closer. Like you said, he's just continuing to grow. And if you know people weigh you know everything on how he closes game they're forgetting they're dismissing the fact that you know the 44 points that he he contributed tonight is the reason why this team is in that game in the first place and it's not to make an excuse for him but it's just the reality of of the story so yeah. um you know you have to look at it from from both perspectives and I think you measure a guy like pascal a guy that's never really been the man a guy that you know in championships that when the team went on the championship run he was your fourth you know, third, fourth, fifth option on the team and, and following year put into this this position. You have to measure him not by his contract, um, but by the growth that he's having in, uh, you know, in his career. And then you'll start to see, hey, you know what? You have a player, you have a stud here. And guess what? If Pascal doesn't turn out to be the number one, you know, a number one option, um, and he's the best number two option, that's perfectly fine as well. That's not, hmm. the pressure shouldn't be put on Pascal. The pressure should be put on the people that are evaluating the players and putting them in the positions that they are.
1: Javon you have just repeated the the party line that I've been spouting all season long like Pascal doesn't need to be a number one and they may have already learned that he's not and that's okay because Mm -hmm. guess what name the last championship team that had fewer than like two or three max players it doesn't happen you need other max players and not every max player is created equal because of the way the NBA CBA is set up and that's fine Mm -hmm. and what Pascal's done what he's done the last two months where he's been on a tear um, you know you can't have anything but good things to say about the sort of overall body of work, minus those little things that he's got to work on. And I think, you know, you make a really good point about sort of needing to figure out that closing move. Honestly, I feel like the mid-range is getting there. He has not uh-huh. really shot well from mid-range recently, but like, we, we've we seen flashes of it this season and that feels like the pathway to me because there was a, a moment tonight... Davis Bertans had like the one possession where he stopped Pascal from getting by him in the fourth quarter, like three minutes left, I think, and he kind of mm-hmm. pulls up for this sort of awkward-looking pull-up mid-range, and you know, it's just it's not the shot he's the most comfortable with right now. He's most comfortable getting to the basket and trying to finish off glass, and that's fine. But yeah, like that mid-range, I think, is where that sort of next and I think you know I also think is a lot, a lot of that
2: mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with just him becoming a better ball handler. Um, There's a lot of times he just looks, you know, a little unorthodox, a little off balance and and trying to gather the basketball into his shot. I don't think it's a it's a problem of, you know, making the shot. It's that gather. And I think for fans and enthusiasts that haven't played the sport at that level and understand the speed that, you know, you're you're going at and stopping on a dime and and really trying to control your momentum to rise up Mm -hmm. uh, into your shot, you really have to have you know, a, a solid base and, and control of the basketball be, before getting into your shot. So um, do I think he can make the shots? Yeah, I think he can. As, as, I think when he's in the gym alone um, and he's in the offseason, he's working on his craft. It's it's a shot he probably makes time and time again. Um, I, I just think it's a, it's a matter of just increasing the ball handling. So you have better ball control getting mm-hmm. into your moves.
1: I'd like to see an offseason regimen where Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent work out together. Pascal teaches Trent how to pass and Trent teaches Pascal how to pull up for a mid-range jumper with a solid base. It Feels like a, a pretty good way to go. Uh, before we move on to some other things here, Javon, I just want to ask you, it's the nice thing about having a former player on is I can ask questions like this. Um, mm-hmm. Pascal very clearly uh, had like the biggest eyes and the Bobby Portis eyes looking at Davis Bertans every single time down the floor tonight. Um, mm-hmm. w- w- I'm not sure, I mean, I'm sure at some point this happened to you. You're a very good basketball player. What's that sort of sensation like where there's a guy guarding you who you just know has no chance in hell
2: oh it's barbecue chicken it's time to eat and your (laughs) eyes your eyes just light up and you just know that it's it's my day and you know what? the the funny thing is sometimes it's not the defender that's in front of you sometimes you just come to the game and you just feel that good and it doesn't matter who's in front of you that night that basketball opens up That the sorry, the net opens up like a C and you just you just make things happen. So mm-hmm. some of those things where you just you just don't feel like anybody can stop you or there's those there's, th- there's those days where you know that this guy in front of me is slow footed and I have I have him stuck in the mud. So it's, you know, good sides to both.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got more to get into here, Javon, in just a second here. We're going to dive into Kyle Lowry resting and the sort of reading the tea leaves here. Also, Gary Trent's qualifying offer has been increased as of his start tonight. And so that kind of has some interesting salary cap implications this offseason. We'll get into sort of some tea leave reading and also update the uh, the play-in standings that the Raptors are now not really party to in uh, just a second here. But first, <laughs> I want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, baseball is in full swing and you can track the action at betonline.ag this week has tons of sports action on the go of course you've got the the nhl season winding down nba all of that it's crazy Connor mcdavid's on pace for 100 points in the nhl go bet on him getting to 100 points because he's gonna do it because he's a freak get all your latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs including mlb nba nhl and all your ufc and mma action as well don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, meaning you put in uh, 50 bucks, you get 75 bucks to start with. That's a great little deal. and It all happens when you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. It's betonline.ag. They are
0: your online sportsbook experts. Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery. Plus. all right Javon so the play-in standings
1: as of right now the Raptors sit 27 and 40 the Wizards are at 31 and 36 and the Indiana Pacers are 31 and 35 after beating the Atlanta Hawks tonight uh, after basically melting down from the core last night uh, in their game so we'll get to the Pacers I kind of want to dig into that a little bit because of the Nate Bjorkren tie into the Raptors as well in the final segment but We saw in this game Kyle Lowry rest, even though this was kind of, as Nick Nurse called it, the last chance saloon for the Raptors to get (laughs) back in this play-in race, and they did not play Kyle Lowry. They also, you know, continue to keep out OG Ananobi, you know, it was nice to see Gary Trent get, get back in the game, but clearly, and this has been the case for a while here, I don't think the Raptors have been necessarily trying to lose games, I would not say that at all, they're playing hard and all that. But I don't necessarily think they're going out of their way or have been going out of their way to try and make the play-in just by virtue of the guys they've been resting and the sort of very clear direct or director from above to sort of keep guys healthy and not overextend them here after a season that has been full of COVID and injury and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. my question to you, Javon, is now that things kind of seem like they're written in stone the Raptors are going to be in the lottery they're not going to make the plan unless they win out and the Wizards go one and four is basically the only way this happens Um, you know where are you at in terms of what the philosophy should be over the final five games of the season here and then we'll get into Kyle Lowry in a second particularly but uh, for the final five games what do you want to see from the Raptors as their playoff fate seems to be pretty much sealed
2: I think it's you know the writing was on the wall a couple a couple you know for the last couple weeks and it's 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 pretty much been the elephant in the room but I think on the flip side, um, you know, what the Raptors organization is doing a really good job of, and you, ha- you have to give them credit. Is they've always been good at finding talent, evaluating talent, and um, developing talent. I think the last couple of weeks have, have definitely been an opportunity for, you know, the front office to evaluate the players on this team. Because a lot of, you know, there's going to be some changes going into the offseason, if, if I were to guess. Now, this is a perfect time. You're getting to see guys in a situation where they're playing minutes. Um, you know, and and from night from game to game, it changes. Some guys, you know, have a a longer leash uh, tonight, and and the following game may have a short leash. So you're getting to evaluate guys um, in different scenarios. Uh, so I think you know it's good from that perspective. As far as you know, when you throw the guys on the floor, they're definitely going to compete. Now the, the the side to that that's a little disheartening, um, especially for the fans, is that it it comes at a cost. Uh, you know, despite the fact that these guys were still able to pull out some wins. It doesn't really put you in a position where you know you are fighting to be in this playing position or making a, a, a you know valiant effort to be you know a playoff team, but at the same time, it doesn't put you in a position where you're you have you have you know the highest chance of ending up you know high lottery and and landing a player in the draft that's going to be you know an impact guy or organization changing player right out the gate. So you're kind of it's, it, it's almost the worst situation to be in. Uh, because you're definitely not guaranteed, you know, a a stud in the draft at where you're, you know, most probable, most probability for you to land. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the, the the best bet right now is to continue to evaluate the guys that you have and see where these pieces may, may, may land. I think what we learned about this team during this season, uh, and it's, it's sad that we're talking about this team as if the season's over or we're going into a funeral, but, um, (laughs) what we've learned is that there's depth and there's guys that are playing right now in positions that we, we never thought they would were going to be rotation guys. We never even thought they were going to be impact guys, but a lot of guys have stepped up over the season, which now puts a lot more pressure, not only on your coaches, but your front office to say, Hey, you know, this guy can play, this guy can play, this guy can impact. And we're not going to, we won't have the luxury next year to just, you know, have 40 different lineups, starting lineups going into, next, into <laughs> the next season. Like this was, it, did, it obviously didn't work this year. Obviously, just an unconventional year. A lot, has, a lot happened um, from, you know, COVID health and safety protocols to guys, you know, COVID injuries and so forth. So it it was understandable. Now, going forward, uh, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. So you really have to hunker down and say, okay, these this is our core group of guys. These are guys that are going to be rotation guys. These guys are going to help us. And at the same time, uh, those guys, a lot of guys have played themselves into a position where they have value now and value in the sense that, we can put you together in a package uh, for the offseason and make some moves as well there. So, mm-hmm. uh, this, you know, you really have to use this. If you're front office, if I'm the GM, you really have to use this 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 time right now, the next couple of games, to really see and and do your do your homework, do your have your scouts really lock down and see. Okay, you know, where do we see these players from from an analytical standpoint, and impact standpoint, potential standpoint? There's just a lot to a lot to evaluate in a short time.
1: Yeah, after watching Fred VanVleet get uh, elbowed in the face late in this game and look pretty woozy, I'm okay if he uh, just kind of shuts it down for the rest of the year. Honestly, if the playoffs aren't going to be a thing, <laughs> uh, and like with all he's gone through this year, he played 45 freaking minutes tonight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I can make my peace now that the
2: playoffs seem uh, like an absolute.
1: You know, it's going to take and a miracle it, to get in there. What was that? Sorry,
2: it's going to be tough for you to really tell for guys, to tell those guys that. Yeah, uh, because they they're competitors at the end of the day i've been on a couple couple calls couple conference calls with, with a couple guys and and the media's asked them you know how why are they sitting out or back-to-back nights and mm-hmm. you know everybody kind of shrugs their shoulders and hey, resting my heel or my back whatever the case may be but you yeah. could see within them they're just obliging by team protocols and, and really want to be out there and play which is you know the unfortunate part because i i've been there myself where you want to be on the floor helping your team. And by nature, like you forget the money, you just want to compete. You love playing the sport. You love, you know, being with the guys, the team, camaraderie, and you miss that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the Raptors have done a pretty good job, I think, of sort of balancing their very clear lack of urgency to make the play in. With still getting guys run and still sort of finding good moments in this end part of the season, like you know tonight's game didn't go the right way, but you know they they played their asses off. Nick Nurse was super proud, you know, kind of talking after the game just now about sort of how the the effort and all that w- was was committed. And you know we saw the Kyle Lowry thirty seven and eleven like just destroy the Lakers. Like that's that's fun stuff you can take away from a lost season for sure. And I think they've done a pretty good job of managing it all and making sure everyone's kind of on the same page. And it does really kind of seem, and this has seemed like this for, I don't know, four months now that the players don't seem all that broken up about getting out of Tampa. (laughs) And so (laughs) maybe there is like a little bit of, yeah, okay, this sucks and we don't want to lose games or we don't want to sort of mail it in, but also you know, there's there's positives to come out of it as well. Um, my this kind of easily sort of flows into the Kyle Lowry thing. So he didn't play the game today's game, of course, with uh, you know the the season basically on the line, mm-hmm. and. I'm kind of curious what your your read on this situation is. Basically, the way I'm thinking about this, and this goes in conjunction today with Gary Trent getting his 36th start of the season, and thus getting a starter slot on his qualifying offer. I believe his qualifying offer goes from 2.7 to 4.1 million dollars, or it might be 2.1 to 4.7. I'm forgetting the numbers and their exact orientation, but it's a about a double increase on what his qualifying and cap hold is going to be going into this off season, which will eat into the Raptors' cap space. Kyle Lowry has since the trade deadline when he was not traded, you know, kind of taken his time. He's rested a lot. They've been very cautious with him. When he has played, he's been quite good. Um, And I'm just kind of curious what your read on this situation is, is Javon, and sort of what what has happened recently says about what's going to happen with Kyle Lowry in the offseason. There's kind of two schools of thought. Where I come down is this feels like a pretty concerted effort to keep him fresh and with the idea that he's going to come back next season and realizing there are bigger fish to fry on what could be a 50 plus win team again next year and not really sort of overexerting to make the play in here. The other side of it is, oh, well, they've agreed there's going to be a sign and trade anyway. And so they're just kind of keeping him fresh and keeping him healthy for that. And there's a, a understanding there. I, I could go either way. I think the Trent thing does tell us something about how they much how much they prioritize the cap space this offseason. But where what are your sort of reads on what this Lowry situation is telling us about what his future might be?
2: I, I'll i say that there's definitely going to be a compromise in both teams, in both parties rather. I think Kyle has enough respect for the organization. I think the organization owes Kyle for everything that he's done here as well. So uh, I just want to put that disclaimer out first. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I also look at it from, you know, Kyle is... It was at 35. I know how my body felt at 34 playing and I know how, <laughs> you know, I can only imagine how he feels. And I think father time is undefeated. So Kyle, I think more than anybody has the biggest decision to make because he also, he has to say to himself or identify whether, you know, he wants to be with this team and continue to carry that load at 35, you know, for another, you know, two, three years, or do you get yourself in a situation where you play less, you know, less minutes, but on a contending team, and you're there for you know your veteran leadership, uh, and you know even in a game like tonight, you know somebody that can close, somebody that can rally guys together, somebody that's a leader. Uh, so I think it's going to come down to that more than anything, uh, and I think he'll essentially have the deciding factor. Now, if I'm if I'm a betting man, I think there's going to be a sign and in trade in, in, involved just because mm. you know if you're looking at the Raptors organization as well, they've made a, an effort to even with the trade of, of Norm, to go slightly younger. Um, so that says to me that you want you don't want to stump the growth of these young guys. You want to continue to develop them and, uh, and grow as an organization. You bring back Kyle for another year, you know, that that kind of steps into Freddie V's time. That kind of steps into Gary Trent's time in, in, in the sense of, you know, where those guys are going to de- have the ball in their hands and develop into the players that they, they can or have the ceiling to be. Uh, so it's it's tough, man. I think they're in a they're both the Raptors are in a tough position with that decision, and I think it's essentially going to come down to Kyle. Uh, mm. But a lot is weighted there.
1: Yeah, I uh, you know you can read the tea leaves all you want. It's. They could go any number of ways at this point. He could walk and go sign in somebody's cap space and there'd be no sign in trade team. <laughs> that's also on the table. So um, we'll uh, continue on and wrap things up. I do want to kind of hit on the Pacers stuff and Nate Bjorkin a little bit. Um, and also, we're going to do our tankathon sim of the day. The Raptors are basically out of the playoff hunt now. So we're going to spin the wheel and we're going to see where the Raptors land and maybe get Javon to tell us about his boy Franz Wagner over at Michigan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to that in, uh, in just one second here but first i want to tell everybody about our friends over at built bar who are making the best tasting protein bar in the world they have nine delicious flavors and the occasional limited time flavor that makes their way onto the site as well uh some of those flavors include mint brownie which is my favorite uh also raspberry cherry double chocolate salted caramel there's something for everybody they have nut and non-nut flavors as well and if you haven't tried all the flavors you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors most flavors have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. And they're great if you are going for a workout or something like that. You don't want to be too bogged down by a breakfast or whatever it might be. A Built Bar is a great way to get some energy in you. It tastes great, and it makes you feel like you're cheating, but you're not. It's wonderful. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. And if your mom happens to be a fitness nut, someone who exercises a lot. Why not get your mom some built bars for Mother's for Mother's Day? It's a wonderful little gift. You can order them up, they'll get you to your door, and you can give them to your mom for Mother's Day at builtbar.com. Use the code LOCKED15 to get 15% off.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league
1: All right, Javon, let's wrap this thing up here. And uh, I want to take a second to talk about the Indiana Pacers, who are currently uh, up on the Raptors in the standings still with their win tonight over the Hawks, a win that uh, seems kind of stunning based on what's happened over the last little while with former Raptors assistant Nate Bjorkren clearly on the ropes. Uh, there was a debacle last night with Greg Foster, their assistant coach and Goga Patase. Uh Things seem like kind of a nightmare in Indiana right now, Javon. Um, I just kind of want to ask you this. When it comes to Nate Bjorken, because if he gets fired, I think there's going to be that sort of very quick like, oh, yeah, he's probably just coming back to join the Raptors uh, as an assistant coach. And that'll, you know, he's friends with Nick Nurse and all that. That seems like a pretty easy fit. They lost Chris Finch over the season, too. So well- maybe that he just kind of slots back in there. I- I'm curious as a sort of just sort of thinking from the player's perspective here. Considering the reports that have come out, and look, these reports, they're coming out for a reason. We don't know who's leaking them. We don't know, uh, you know, what else other stories there might be kind of burbling under the surface. This seems like, a, to me, the way I'm reading it is, you know, they're leaking stuff to make it look like it's, you know, the right call to fire Nate Bjorkren after they made the very clear wrong call in firing Nate McMillan a year ago, and they're trying to save himself some PR. That's my reading on it. That doesn't mean it's right, but... You know, It seems as though Bjorkren is not terribly liked. Seems like there's issues with the players and the Pacers. TJ Warren, in that report by Jake Fisher at Bleacher Report, uh, reportedly opted for an elective surgery and requested a trade when he found out Nate Bjorkren was going to be the head coach. Not the best. Um, So if it does go the way it seems like it's going to go here, Javon, and Nate Bjorkren is available and presumably on his way back to Toronto to join Nick Nurse once again... Do you think that could cause any sort of issue, like locker room wise? Like the Raptors seem to like him. That's why this whole thing is kind of baffling and hard to suss out. But um, what's your sort of read on it and the idea of Bjorkman coming back after kind of being poisoned
2: pilled by the Pacers over the last couple of days here? <sighs> That'll be tough. It'll be tough because I think the way it it, it happened um, you know, during the season, I think you lose some of the respect of your players just just in how it went down. You always want to give somebody an opportunity uh, to step into a, a bigger role. Uh, I think just coming back that, you know, the Raptors have made some, have shuffled around their coaches as well. So do you come back and have the same position? Probably not. So, um, and, and maybe somebody that you were coaching with is, you know, a seat ahead of you now. So I, I think from a chemistry point on your coaching staff, I think that's a bit, it's tough to do. Uh, and mm. I, again, like you said, I think the information that's being leaked, um, from in, in from Indiana has to be taken with a grain of salt because you know Nate has obviously you know had some success here and I think the tough it kind of reminds me of you know my former coach John Beilein and his experience in in Cleveland and I think it's right. tough for um young new coaches to step into or I shouldn't say young because John wasn't John was young by any means stepping into <laughs> that role but just a a new head coach stepping into the NBA um, and, and taking on those roles if you don't have a chemistry with that group—it's uh it's tough. I think Nick, the way Nick Nurse ended up in his situation was a little different because he had a relationship with the team already and kind of just shifted over seats. Whereas Nate is going into a completely new environment, new seat, new forget the players, but new front office and trying to build a a culture, trying to have you know instill a new philosophy, you know, midway through. So. It's, you know, I, I don't see him coming back to Raptors just based on, you know, lack of chemistry that it would, or, you know, just ruffling feathers in a sense, but Hey, I think the Raptors are also a great organization that have some tremendous people in terms of just character and would may welcome him with open arms. So mm-hmm. it's tough to say, but again, it's, it's a competitive, like you have to remember not the players aren't only the ones that aren't the only ones that are competitive. The coaches are competitive too. Everybody has right. aspirations of being a head coach. Um, so we can sit here and play blind but you know everybody everybody in the NBA has limited jobs right mm-hmm. everybody's looking over their shoulder uh and you know if he comes back that also bumps somebody out now that's uh something i, I don't think that's a situation you want to have in an mm-hmm. organization that's that's you know building on success that they've had
1: yeah it's an interesting one uh, and I also, it's also kind of a good uh reminder that just because a guy's a whiz kid coach who has great ideas, you know, there's a whole like person to person element of being a head coach that Mm kind of gets slept on. And I think that Nick nurse honestly kind of gets underrated for, I I know he Mm -hmm. can kind of, he can call out players and stuff like that, but also, I think his sort of ability as a personality manager was kind of shown in that first season when things could have really kind of blown up with Kawhi yeah. and load management and the one season and all that and the free agency looming, and it didn't. And, you know, that's the sort of mixed, missing ingredient, I think. And also why, I, you know, Nurse has talked about that, sort of the value well, of getting to be a head coach <laughs> no matter what level it's at. It's kind of a whole yeah. different ballgame, right?
2: Yeah. and. <laughs> funny thing, at, at this rate, they'll both be available for the Canadian National Team, and, they, and they'll be able to connect, <laughs> reconnect there, right? So that's always, that's always the bright side. But no, I, I think, you know, there's always value, in a couple of friends of mine, um, Nathaniel Mitchell, Jama, Mahalia, um mm-hmm. and even jay Trial, they always say like if you can coach at any at any level as a head coach these guys you know a lot of them run back to coach summer leagues or just some you know, even little kids leagues in the summer just to be head coach because just getting those reps there's nothing like real time and being in that seat so uh it, it just comes the territory and that you know you have to applaud you know nate for his his you know his attempt at it and and whatever struggles and adversity comes with it i'm telling you winning solves everything and, yeah. you know, a couple of wins here and we're not even having this conversation. I think, you know, you look at the skepticism that people had with Steve Nash going, taking that, you know, the Brooklyn job. And now we're hearing less of that and more of, Hey, this could be a championship team.
1: Totally. Um, that feels like a good place to leave that conversation. Appreciate your thoughts on that, Javon. It's nice having a former player on to say <laughs> smart things that I don't have the <laughs> capacity to know or say. Um, let's uh, finish things off with the way we finish off a lot of episodes recently with the Tankathon Sim of the Day. Got Tankathon.com loaded up here. Um, as it stands right now, after the loss tonight, at 27 and 40, the Raptors have the seventh worst record in the NBA. 31.9% chance at a top four pick and 7.5% chance at the number one overall pick. Uh, we're going to do the spin right now. Here's the, the, the drum roll, my terrible drum roll.
0: I'll get a drum <laughs> one
1: time to do this, but we're going to sim it. Here we go. And, well, after climbing up to number two yesterday, the Toronto Raptors have fallen down to number eight here in uh, this uh, this this spin of the Tankathon lottery simulator. Uh, this has been a common thing that's happened with the Raptors falling down. It, it shows the, the futility of hoping for lottery balls to go your way. That's fine. It gives me an opportunity to talk about a mid-lottery guy that uh, I haven't really talked about much, but you would have a special understanding of. It's Franz Wagner, who I was asked a mailbag question about a couple days ago, and I didn't really have an answer because I did not watch a lot of Michigan this year. I don't have strong Mm -hmm. opinions on Franz Wagner as a lottery pick. But, Javon, let me throw it to you. If the Raptors at number eight were to select Franz Wagner from your Michigan Wolverines, Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say? What kind of player would the Raptors be getting?
2: (sighs) That would be tough. I don't know if that would be the right fit. I'll say that because we Mm -hmm. have a lot of players with similar pedigree, big wings, um, you know, defender, big wings that are interchangeable defensively. Uh, But he's a great player. Uh, He's a really good player. I think, you know, he has a lot of size. He has, you know, has a lot of length on the perimeter and can do a a number of things interchangeably. And that always is going to give him value. And and then again, tough as nails. I think the fact that you lead this Michigan team into – You know the success that they had this year. You're 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 destined for for success at the NBA level as well because he has a lot of tools that are transferable. And you look at when you look at things like rebounding, when you look at things like defense, those are all things that are going to be able to translate. We're seeing that even with like Malachi Flynn, his success that he's had grown gradually Mm -hmm. over the year. um, You know those intangibles are always what if you have those if you instill those have those instilled in you naturally. um, You're going to have an easy transition now. You know the scoring is the speed of the game. You're gonna to have to adjust to that the, the physicality, the the athleticism. Cool, but if you're somebody and you're that comes in as a rookie and the coach looks over his shoulder down the bench and says, "Okay, I'm gonna get defense from this guy. I'm gonna get effort. I'm gonna get a couple rebounds. You're gonna earn yourself, yourself some more time to show what you can do offensively." And he's, you know, he's definitely a gift. He's definitely a talent. I just don't know if he'd be the right fit for mm-hmm. this club with your OGs, your your Pascals that are you know one and two. Uh, interchangeably from the from the perimeter positions.
1: Totally fair, man. Uh, appreciate your insights on Franz Wagner. I should note that uh, among the lottery picks currently on Tankathon in their mock draft, uh, only he and Jalen Johnson, who is currently mocked to the Raptors at seven on this thing here, uh, have uh, or averaged north of a block and a steal a game. Jalen Johnson averaged two blocks and two steals a game in his short term with uh, Duke this year. Wouldn't hate that. Uh, <laughs> be kind of fun. But um, we can leave that there for now and uh, hope for better Tankathon Sim of the Day luck in the future. Uh, we're not going to find much better luck with guests, though. Javon Shepard, thank you so much for coming on today's show, man. Where can people check out all the great stuff you've been uh, working
2: on lately? Twitter at Javon Shepard and and Instagram. I don't do much there. Instagram Javon Shepard, but holler at me awesome,
1: man. And watch North Courts as well. We'll uh, have to get Absolutely. Megan McPeak
2: on the podcast soon to
1: complete the trifecta of North, Co- North Courts folks on the show. Um, by the way, speaking of North Courts, Vivek Jacob will be on Monday's podcast, as he usually is, to break down My brother. the weekend uh, a game against the Grizzlies. Yeah, Vivek's all right. He's fine. Whatever. We don't need to <laughs> gas him up too much. Uh, <laughs> no, he's the best. Uh, Javon, you're the best. Thanks for being on this show, man. It was uh, great chatting with you. Uh, for Appreciate me, you can it. find me on Twitter, as always, at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, review, all that good stuff it's always appreciated when you support the show uh you can listen to the other locked on shows covering your toronto teams uh you got locked on blue jays with aj andrews covering the jays as they won a nice game today in oakland and moved to 16 and 14 on the season and the toronto maple leafs continue to uh, destroy everybody in the north division austin matthews is at 40 goals and mike de is killing it with locked on leafs lately He had former Leafs defenseman Frankie Corrado on the show this week to talk about his time with the team. Uh, Lots of great stuff over there at Locked on Leafs if you want to get ready for a Toronto team that will be in the playoffs in a couple weeks. Uh, With that, we can leave it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, Bye-bye.